Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for life. We thank you for the opportunity to see the end of the year 2023. And we thank you that you have qualified us to see the year 2024. We thank you for your goodness, your kindness, your generosity. We thank you for your 11th hour miracle in the year 2023. We thank you that you crowned our year with goodness and loving kindness. We thank you that we can call you our Father. And most importantly, we thank you that you call us your children. We pray and may Christ alone be exalted in our discussion tonight in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen and amen and amen. Wow. We thank God for this opportunity and we thank God that we are not losing sight of the reality that we have a season of our life where we have to work because the time is going to come where we from our labors rest. So whilst we have the opportunity, we will continue to work the works of He who called us, He who sent us. And tonight we are continuing our study and our prayers and our tradition that we have been doing for the past three years. We begin the year with six prayers to pray for the year consistently. And last year, one of the things that God laid upon our heart was to pray consistently, to be alive to Him, to be sensitive to Him, to be responsive to Him, to reproduce after our own time. And for this year, 2024, what God gave us was Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 1. It says, Be ye imitators of God as dearly beloved children. Be imitators of God as dearly beloved children. Paul is instructing us by the Holy Spirit that we should be copy copy, we should be copycats. <laughs> we should mimic God, we should follow his steps, we should do just as he does. And in fact, this is what Jesus summarized as his agenda on earth. He said that the Son of Man can do nothing of himself. I don't do anything by myself, but I just literally do what I see my father do. And that is our agenda for this year. We just want to copy God. And there are so many things to copy from God looking through the scriptures. But God led us to the very first way he introduced himself to humanity in Genesis chapter number one. So what we'll be studying for this series will be based on Genesis chapter number one. So let's just take a quick read. Um, I'll read maybe up to the seventh or sixth day. Then we'll look into the second thing God wants us to pray consistently in the year 2021. And I read, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. And evening passed and morning came, marking the first day. Then God said, Let there be a space between the waters to separate the waters of the heavens from the waters of the earth. And that is what happened. God made this space to separate the waters on the earth from the waters of the heavens. God called the space sky. And evening passed and morning came, marking the second day. Then God said, Let the waters beneath the sky flow together into one place, so dry land may appear. And that is what happened. God called the dry ground land and the waters sea. 
and God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the land sprout with vegetation, every sort of seed-bearing plant, and trees that grow seed-bearing fruit. These seeds will then produce the kind of plants and the trees from which they came. And that is what happened. The land produced vegetation, all sorts of seed-bearing plants, and trees with seeds-bearing fruit. Their seeds produced plants and trees of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. And evening passed and morning came, marking the third day. Then God said, Let the light appear in the sky to separate the day from the night. Let, there, let them be signs to mark the seasons, days, and years. Let this light in the sky shine down to the earth. And that is what and that is what happened. God made two great lights, the larger one to govern the day and the smaller one to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set these lights in the sky to light the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And evening passed and morning came, marking the fourth day. And God said, let the water swarm with fish and other life, including microscopic, macroscopic, um, phytoplankton, all those things. Let the skies be filled with birds of every kind. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that carries and swarms in the water and every sort of bird, each producing offspring of the same kind. God saw that it was good. Then God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply. Let the fish fill the sea and let the birds multiply on the earth. And evening passed and morning came, marking the fifth day. Then God said, let the earth produce every sort of animal, from protoctist to prokaryotes to fungi to plantae to animals, all of them. And what an offspring of every kind, livestock, small animals that carry along the, down, the ground, and wild animals. And that is what happened. God made all sorts of wild animals, livestock, and small animals, each able to produce offspring of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They would reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all wild animals on the earth, and small animals that carry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth, govern it, reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and the animals that carry along the ground. Then God said, Look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. And I've given every green plant as food for all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, and every animal that carry along the ground, everything that has life. And that is what happened. God looked over all he had made and saw that it was very good. The evening passed and the morning came, marking the sixth day. Wow. Wow. We bless God for the reading of his word. So last week, the first thing that stand, stood out for us, that tells us something critical about God, was in the very first chapter. In the beginning, God created. 
So the first thing God wants us to consistently pray is that we would express the creative gene locked up in our spirits. God is a creator. And in fact, we learned last week that God is the only true creator because he made everything we see from nothing. But all the things we are ever going to make will come from something that already pre-exists. We cannot make something out of nothing. So we are baby creators. But creativity is an identity of God. So you should not be surprised when you go to church and the best music should come from the church. The best actors, the, the best of everything should be found in the church because the church is filled with people who are not just creations of God, but they themselves are filled with the Spirit of God. And one of the aspects of the Spirit of God is the Spirit of wisdom for witty inventions. In every aspect of your life, you must demonstrate creativity. It, it may be, I think, somewhere last year or last two years, I saw a story about an insurance company. And I, I read, I think, somewhere, I think from the blog or something, about how a young person was made the managing director of a failing insurance company. And before he even came, all the, as usual, all the elderly people were so angry at disappointment that we, we are failing. We're bring somebody who is experienced to come and navigate us through these times. So I'm going to bring a young, inexperienced person. And if I remember correctly, in less than a year, almost all the senior men had resigned from the company because they felt insulted that we are in difficult times and we are going to bring an inexperienced person. So... According to what I read, the guy was really in a fix, but creativity came to his aid. So he realized that most of his customers, the insurance policy they had was funeral policies. Because most people, the cost of doing funerals in Ghana is on another level. And we also take it personal. We can cut costs, but <laughs> it's a whole thing on its level. So he decided that he's going to recruit people of a particular profile. And what profile did he use? People who can sing. So what he did was that he established a singing group, a choir, from his employers. So when you come for an interview, one of the things he looks out for amidst every other thing is if you are willing to be part of a group that sings. So that when somebody who is a member loses a loved one or he or himself passes on, they will not just give you your money, but they will attend your funeral and sing for you. Now, this simple strategy killed two birds with one stone. The first bird it killed was that it brought about unity among the workers. It brought about a friendliness and a good working environment because these people after work were not in a hurry to go home because they had to stay over for rehearsals. And the more they were spending time together, the more the bond between them grew stronger. Secondly too, they were offering something more than just the insurance package. And they have become, it was something so unique and iconic in the insurance space that made this quite stand out, aside from the fact that they were musically good, but a simple strategy like this. And in about a few years, the company had turned over its fortunes. That is creativity at work. That is what God wants us to display. That is the result of the Spirit of God indwelling a person, creativity. So among all the six things, one of the things I'm going to pray like never before this year, I want to be a creative person because Facebook was creativity. Internet was creativity. Telephone was creativity. Democracy was creativity. Everything we see, the world is ruled by creative people. And as a child of God, you must be creative. 
<laughs> I feel like talking some more, but let's go to the second thing. Now, when you look at the account of the creation of the earth, not the world per se, because we are just told that he made the heavens and the earth. Then the world or the, the person narrating that's Papa Moses zeroed in on the earth. The focus was not on Jupiter, Saturn, all the dark holes and the galaxies. The focus was on the earth. Now there's one thing that will stand out whenever you read this passage. And that is the second thing God wants us to consistently pray into our lives. It surprises me that God took six days to create the earth. And if you were listening to last week's episode, which you should, I talked about the fact that the word they used can have three meanings. It can mean a season, it can mean a moment, it can mean a 24-hour day. But the point is that God did not create everything instantly. That's the first thing. And the second thing was that God created things systematically. So what is this teaching us about God, which is very important, especially to us as Africans? <laughs> Whenever I say this, I, there's a picture of my friend coming to harass me. That why am I saying Africans? I'm an African. And that is the spirit of order, orderliness. You cannot miss this in the creation story. And you cannot miss this about God. But you know, as simple as this sounds, this is what we missed out. And by we, I mean the church missed out on several years ago. Because a time came in the church, we thought that spontaneity was the spirit. So if something is done orderly, it is not of the spirit. In our minds, when you say the spirit, when you talk about God, he just appears like a big bang. Boom. There is no calculation. There is no meticulousness. There is no methodology. Like God is a crazy man who just appears. That's what most people thought. So especially when there was a surge of the charismatic movement, one of the things that a number of charismatics had against the Orthodox Church was we do things too orderly. It's like we are during the flow of the spirit we are restricting him because in our minds you should just be at church and before you realize maybe doing praise and worship and before you realize somebody will just come up and say i'm led by the spirit let's do a bible study for many people that is what we think the spirit of god is we think disorderliness is directly proportional to the manifestation of the spirit you see how simple this is so we think that if you go to a church service and everything is done systematically like the way god created the earth after this activity we moved to this and there's one particular church I like so much the pastor told all the singers that when you are giving the mic to sing please just sing don't come and preach to us because you go to some circles and they are giving the mic before they begin to sing they will give you a mini sermon they will now quote thousand and one scriptures give you their own testimony give you that he said you have been given five minutes to sing sing you see how important understanding the word of God is? Because many of us have been misleading that disorderliness means spirituality. We, we, because we, we go out, we go to John chapter 3 where we say the spirit, um, he that's born of, the, of, of, the, of God is like the spirit. It blows where it listens. You don't know where it's coming from, where nor where it's going to, but you just feel its impact. So for many of us, you don't see us coming. The fact that you don't see where the wind is coming doesn't mean the wind did not come from somewhere. So it's like, because we just spring out, we feel like that is the Spirit of God. But clearly, from Genesis chapter 1 and throughout Scripture, everything that God did was done meticulously. Even the coming of Jesus. The Bible tells in Galatians chapter 4 that in the fullness of time, when the time was up, so God was not just sitting in heaven and looking at us full around now, and then it's like Jesus, you know what, Charlie? I've watched enough. Just come and interrupt their lives. No, there was a certain time that God had scheduled in the chronicles of humanity that an interruption would come in. 
So Jesus did not just bust up. And that's why Revelation even tells us that he was slain before the foundations of this world. Everything that we are experiencing is calculated by God. We serve a God of order. The church must be ordered. Our lives must be ordered. And this is the first way Christians miss it. And the second place we missed it out was in the invention or in the advancement of science. Because yet again, we thought that God was a magician or God is a genie who does things out of the blue. But when science and knowledge began to increase and people began to study about creation, that the whole world was surprised about the detailedness of creation. Because for many of us, we thought that God just, uh, excuse me to say, burst a pimple and whoosh, everything just came into existence. So when we began to study and realize that everything in this world was correctly positioned, we were surprised that no, because in our minds, we thought that if it was God, it's just something crazy. God is a crazy being. So when we began to realize that everything happens systematically in creation, then it's like, hey, this is not God. God is not this detailed. So we think that the, the advancement in science and the exploration of the universe and all these things takes God out of the equation. These things rather confirm a creator. This thing rather confirms the existence of a super, super, super intelligent being. Look at the earth. There's something we call the Goldilocks zone, that the earth is so perfectly positioned to sustain life. The earth is so perfectly positioned that it is only on earth so far from what we have discovered according to science that we know that water can exist in a liquid form. So in our minds, we thought that God just threw the earth somewhere in space and we are just floating. Ah, that is God. But when we got to know that, no, we are fixed and we are rotating around the axis. And whilst we are rotating, we are also spinning around the earth. In fact, we are spinning around the earth about, I'm not really sure about the unit, but one 170,000, whatever speed you are moving, you are moving very fast, very fast. So it's like when we began to discover all these things, we are, we are taken aback because we thought that God was a genie. He just threw the earth in space somewhere and his hand is holding it down there. But we are surprised to find out how detailed everything is. So we think that the existence of detail and order is the absence of God because in our minds, God was a crazy being. But the more you read the scripture, the more you'll be amazed at how ordered and detailed God is. And when you look at all the miracles, when you look at all the happenings, when you look at every story in the Bible, God crafted everything. When you look at your life, and you see, it is my life that convinced me the most about the existence of God. Like, there was a time that I felt like I was being delayed in a particular aspect. Something I wanted to happen in two years, took three years, and I felt like, no, 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 there's something wrong somewhere. But I just realized that I needed to be there for three years so that by the time I come out and go here, I would have met somebody who would have been there to give me an opportunity. Like everything was so systematic. And I realized if I had left that season of life in two years, that one year I would have gone through some serious <laughs> confusion in life. But everything about my life is ordered. And I, I always give this example. There are friends I am, in fact, one of the people that helped me the most in university, and I hope he's listening to this, he knows himself. <laughs> I met him, what we say, by accident. And let me share this story, and I will, I will let him listen to it. <laughs> so I was on my way to lectures. Then I met a friend who we were in the same secondary school with, but he was reading a different program in SS. 
So I met him. I think I was. I think I met that friend first. Then there was this guy who was coming and also met that guy who was his mate in junior secondary school. So I met him. He was my mate in secondary school, <clears throat> and another guy was his mate in junior secondary school. So we met and we we're talking. Then we realized that the both of us, as in me and my friend's friend, his JSS friend, we are doing the same course. So we are heading to the same lecture room. That is how we became friends. And he has been one of the most instrumental people in my life, especially on campus. I, I was telling some friends recently that I owe part of my degree to him because if it wasn't for him, the <laughs> university would have been tough. He made the university, and I look at how I met him. What would have looked like an accident was a divine orchestration of God. That is how God works. That's how detailed God is. And I always tell myself that look at the number of things that should have come to play to ensure that I will meet my friend at this particular time, where at the same time, my friend's friend would have also been coming and we will meet like everything was perfectly orchestrated. That is what, that is the kind of God we serve. We serve a God of order. We serve a God of order. And if you are going to do anything significant in life, if you are going to achieve anything significant in life, you need to be ordered. You need to be an ordered person. You need to have a well-arranged life. You cannot be disordered. You cannot be doing that. When we come to your house, when we come to your room, you should know, we should know that this is a room of a Christian. This is the house of a Christian. When somebody comes into your life, the things in your life should be organized. There should be a certain intentionality in your life. I remember recently, I was talking to a friend and I told the person what I do every day after work. And the person was like, hey, I'm like, yeah, that's, that's a schedule I have. I'm not a boring person. I'm very spontaneous. But even in my spontaneity, I have a schedule. So I am fixed and at the same time, I'm flexible because I create room for flexibility. So I told the person, Mondays, I am here. Tuesday to Thursday, I am here. Fridays, I am here. Saturday, Sunday, I'm here. So if you need me to be spontaneous, there are certain days you must get me. For example, Fridays is when you get me for certain things. But if you come to me on a Monday that we should do something, I'm sorry. There is a structure to my life. I try as much as possible. So what will look like spontaneous for you, it is already planned. I planned it. That if anybody's going to call me out of the blue, eventually, make a link up. I'll give you the data I'm available. And you think I've already planned the date. No, I deliver room for such things. Every person who is under the influence of the Spirit of God lives an ordered life. Going back to the church, this is why Paul said what he said. Now let's go and read this in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 27. And, I, and, and the Corinthian church was a typology of the African church. Now, and from verse 26, we, we may not read everything, but I'm sure you get a gist of it. And my the Bible I'm using, it titles that section of the, of the passage, a call to orderly worship. A call to orderly worship. Look at this amazing thing. Well, my brothers and sisters, let's summarize. When you meet together, one will sing, another will teach, another will tell some special revelation God has given. One will speak in tongues, another would interpret what is said. So let me just pause there. You think that Paul is saying that what most of us, what the African church used to be, at least now there's a certain order coming into the church. Because when you meet Charlie, somebody is singing, somebody is preaching, somebody is giving a special revelation, and somebody is speaking in tongues, somebody is interpreting. So in your mind, you think that it's a whole mixture of things that's going on as I'm singing, and somebody just inter. No, but he says, what he says is that, but everything must be done 
to strengthen all of you. Now, it goes to give the breakdown. No more than two or three should speak in tongues. They must speak one at a time and someone must interpret what they say. But if no one is present who can interpret, they must be silent in your church meeting and speak in tongues to God privately. What is Paul doing? He has given the fact that everybody needs to contribute in church. And this is very important. Let me just add this one. I'm very passionate about this. If you only go to church to benefit, you are doing yourself a great disservice. I think I've said it on the podcast before. There are three reasons so far I've been able to identify why you must be a consistent church goer. One is to go and receive from God. Two is to go and contribute to the building of the church. In Ephesians, every joint supplies. You are a member of the body. You have a supply. So there are times you would feel like, oh, maybe you are well nourished. You don't need the Sunday message. You still need to go to church because you have something that somebody needs. And the third reason is for fellowship. Never isolate yourself. But that's another discussion which hopefully this year we will look into. I'm trying to work on a church series. Because many of us don't really know how to relate with the church. But ah, let's continue. He says that let two or three prophesy and let others evaluate what is said. Now, if you are by the Spirit, why must somebody evaluate? You see, Paul is bringing a certain order, a certain arrangement in how things should be done. But if someone is prophesying and another person receives a revelation from the Lord, the one who is speaking must stop. In this way, all who prophesy would have turned to speak one after the other so that everyone will learn and be encouraged. Remember that people who prophesy are in control of their spirit and can take hands. African prophets hear the word of God. The spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. Take this thing and to save your life. Whenever you go to a prophetic ministry and there's chaos, it tells you something in quotes of the maturity level of the prophet. The fact that the spirit has come upon you, the spirit is not a, a, a military person that you will force your mouth to open. It gives you the word, but you need wisdom and maturity to know how to communicate and when to communicate. Because the spirit is not the one manipulating you. You are in control. And in fact, this gives us a key indication of the spirit of God. The spirit of God is not a manipulator or a dictator. He just reveals. It is you who must determine how he flows. So you cannot just be in a church and say, I am led and you do anything. Yeah, let's continue. <laughs> and I like, so I think we'll just end with this particular verse. Then we go to the verse 40. It says, for God is not a God of disorder. Listen, anything that is disordered is not of God. Any person that comes to your life and a person, a person is coming to disorganize your life, a person lives a disorganized life is not of God. For God is not the God of disorder. The King James says, for God is not the author of confusion, but peace as in all the meetings of God's holy people. Let's skip to the verse 40. But be sure that everything is done properly and in order, including your life. Everything in your life should be done orderly and properly. There are several scriptures. Let's read James chapter 3 verse 16. James chapter 3 verse 16. Order. We need to pray intensely this year for the spirit of orderliness. Let's go to James chapter 3 verse 16. And I read, For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you would find disorder. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you would find disorder. And every evil, and evil of every kind. So, 
there is always disorder in the mixture of the devil's equation. So when prophecies come and they come and disrupt you, they come and they come and leave you confused instead of giving you that prophecy. Take a second look at it. Whenever a certain instruction comes, and that instruction does not give you peace, but rather gives you chaos, check that thing. It was immediately there's chaos. There's every kind of evil way. If only believers will read the Bible to know these things, you will not worry your head over certain things, especially in our relation to prophecy and so-called dealings with the Spirit. This is a clear characteristics of God. God is a God of order. We must live an ordered life. You must do things at the right time, at the right place, in the right manner. And this is what simply Ecclesiastes was in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. So wisdom is order. He said, there's a time for everything under the earth. He's simply saying that things must be done ordered in your life. God doesn't allow things to happen. So there's a time in your life where you'll be crying, a time in your life where you'll be laughing, a time in your life where you'll be planting, a time in your life where you'll be sowing. There's a time for everything. What is it? And it's wisdom. Wisdom is simply knowing what to do at the right time. That's why it says that go to the ant, you slugger, and consider this. Why was the ant called a wise creature? Because the ant knows that when it is summertime, you sow. When it is winter, you harvest and store. You, you harvest and store. That's all that wisdom is. Wisdom is simply knowing what to do in a particular season of life you are in. That is why if you are in a particular season where you should not be bothering about relationships, I mean, boyfriend, girlfriend kind of relationship, wisdom will tell you to stay away from it. And there's good come. I remember... I, always, I think I've shared this story before about how when my elder sister was in school, hey, my mom was a police, always monitoring the boys that go in and out of her life. And my sister was surprised at the dramatic switch that happened. Immediately, she was doing a national service. And the same woman who was saying no to boys, don't go out after two, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. The same woman was now harassing me that show me a man, no, show me a man. Like, hey. And this can look confusing because it's like we are expecting things to always be one way. There's a time in your life where you must sow, where you must go to the field. The Bible says in, I think, Lamentations that it is good that a young man bears his burden in his youth. Your youthful state is for you to bear burdens, not for you to be enjoying life as some people say it. But there are certain burdens you must bear as a young person because there you have the strength and the time to do so. So wisdom will tell you what to do and wisdom is simply order. Order. You know the time in your life you should be engrossed in relationship. A time in your life is for learning. A time in your life is for building network. A time in your life is for family. There's a time, and even in your dealings with God, you. I notice this thing. There's these seasons of my life that I spend more time praying than studying the Word. And I noticed, and I was quite relieved to know that a friend of mine was saying the same thing. There's been seasons in my life, like it was more prayer, more prayer, more prayer, more prayer. Then it changed. At the point, it was reading of books, reading of books, reading of books, reading of books. In the particular season of my life, I memorized more than thousand memory verses. I was just consuming. I don't think I was praying that much. Then the seasons would switch. And I used to fast, I used to fast, I used to fast. That's how God deals with us. There's a time for every activity under the earth. And God is saying to us, especially as Africans, if you will do well in this year, 2024, you need to be ordered. Come to Africa. Immediately you step down from our airport, the first thing you see is disorder. You will see people building everywhere. 
You will see people throwing refuse everywhere. You will see people doing anything they want, especially because they think they are connected to power. In their mind, that is protocol, but that is foolishness to the highest degree. The fact that you are connected to someone or the fact that you have certain resources doesn't mean you should go and build where water is supposed to pass. It doesn't mean that you should build in an inappropriate place. It doesn't mean that you should throw garbage. But we think that that means affluence and power disorder. I was so upset when one day I was taking a walk in my neighborhood and I and somebody has come to put up a structure and I asked man, and you see, I, I, I stood there and what even <laughs> annoyed me the most was when the person was decorating the structure. I said, look at where you have come to put your structure. And the person was has gone to hire those who do the sliding doors and was painting. I'm like, hey, you you have the F1 tree to come and build at this side. Hey, you are painting, you are putting it. And when you go throughout Ghana, in fact, I remember I was listening to one spiritual instructor and he was like, he, he does a lot of crusades in African countries. And he was like, you can leave Ghana to Togo and you won't even know that you have left Ghana to Togo because the disorder is everywhere. The way we build haphazard in, in Ghana is the same way they build in Togo, the same way they build in Nigeria, the same way they build in every African country. And the same happens for Europe. You can cross from Belgium to Denmark and you won't even know because the place is well ordered. The systems are working, the structures are working because there's law and order and there's the enforcement of law and order. And God is going to tell us, if you want to live a life of success, you need order in your life. I just saw a news headline of one of our local champions, a rich person in Ghana. He was saying that he made his first million dollars at the age of 28. And by the age of 32, he had lost everything. That's when he realized that you can't have money, but if you don't live an ordered life, all the money you are saving, all the work or all the effort you are putting to build this money, you can finish it in a year. So the next time or what struck him was that it's not enough to have wisdom to get money, but you need order in your life. May I submit to you, some of you, your issue is not that your boss is not paying you well. Your issue is not that you are not getting enough salary. The issue is not that Africa is not treating you well, but the issue is that you are not living an ordered life. I remember I was going to work with some friends and one of them was saying how her friends, every Friday, the amount of money they blew, the amount of money they spent every single Friday. And I, I think I've also said this on the platform before that, that anybody at a particular age who is still poor, I don't think you should blame it. Because in my little conversation with people who are elder than me, I have realized that in everybody's life, there was a season where if there was order in their lives, they would have escaped from the clutches of poverty or a certain substandard living. There were people who I know who were personal assistants to government officials, powerful government officials. And they were not personal assistants for one year, two years old. They were personal assistants for eight good years. And see, there are two people. Some of them would use, would steal money and go and put up structures and blah, 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 everything. But because of this order, in four years, they would run everything down. A friend was telling me about a friend whose father, after the mother died, in less than a year, they were in the house and they were told that their house was sold. Because what? Their father had drank away the house. Their father was drinking so much that he literally owed an amount that was equal to the house they were staying in in a year. This is what this order can do for you. And God is saying that in the year 2024, the promised land I'm taking you to, you will need creativity, but you also need order in your life.
you will need to live a certain pattern and schedule life. You will need to do things methodically. You will need to build according to the pattern I show you. And let's look at our last scripture. Then we'll spend some time praying. Exodus 25 verse 40. Exodus 25 verse 40. God speaking to Papa Moses. And look at the warning God gives to Moses. He says, be sure that you make everything according to the pattern I have shown you here on the mountain. And when you look at, when you study from the whole of Exodus, I think from verse 25 following, you will see how God gave instructions about every single aspect of the tabernacle. Like, you would think God is a, how do you call them? Uh, bosses who micromanage. That's how God is. Like, God doesn't leave any detail to chance. The talents that you will use, the position of the showbread, the position of the altar, like, if you look at the temple, it just reveals to you the very nature of our God. He is a God of order. And hear the word of God, Africa. If we will need to, you see, that is why I'm not impressed by African politicians. Well, whenever I listen to their campaign message, everybody says fantastic things, but nobody gives us a systematic way in which we will be transformed. Building hospitals will not transform us. We can build hospitals in every corner of this country and schools in every, if there is no order to development. Development doesn't just happen spontaneously. There must be a certain laid down structure. So, for example, we are in Africa. Our main issue, as we will claim, is financial resources. So what is the structure? I can give you three things. Let's say, one, we are going to identify three areas in our economy with high returns very quick returns. So for example, this, you can take sports because in sports, if you take people who are age 15, 16, if you invest in them in five years, you can make a hundred times profit from them. Well, if you take somebody by age 15 and if you are able to make the right investment into the person, by age 21, 22, or even by age 18, the person has signed his first contract. So you will spend a few hundred thousands in training this person, educating this person. By age 22, 23, 24, the person is worth millions of pounds. So look at key areas where you can easily reap quickly and money from those areas will be invested into other areas. So for example, you take health and education because you, keep, you can't keep funding health and education on loans. So you must come up with a proper strategy. So if you are taking sports, you are taking tourism, you are taking the transport sector, we have the railway system. And I said that for the first four years, you are going to invest heavily in these three structures. That in the next three years, the investment from these structures is what I'm going to use to finance every other thing. Now, whilst you are doing that, your second agenda is to strengthen state institutions. If you depoliticize them, where states heads of all these state institutions are not politically linked, and you create a vibrant system, automatically you see that you are putting things in place but when they come and say i will build a road i'll build school i'll build a factory here i'm not impressed because there is no order to their life to their, to their strategy i'm waiting for the day i'll see an african politician present an ordered manifesto from here we move to here the first two years i'm doing this the next two years we are doing this because you don't build the house by building the roof then you stop and do the foundation then you stop and start painting there's an order to build it and everything you're going to build including your life and your nation you will need order you start with the foundation you do the flow or whatever then you erect pillars that's how you build you build with order not with money 
And God is saying that in this year 2024, arise African Christians. Let's arise to order. Let's spend some time praying. We are praying Exodus 25 verse 40. That we will build our life according to the pattern that God is showing us. So in the first month, what we think should do is to look at the pattern that God has for your life. There is an ordered system to get to where you want to get to. There's a systematic approach to get to where you want to get to. And God is saying that in the year 2024, consistently pray for the spirit of wisdom in the manifestation of order. Speak to God. You need order in your life. You can't spend your money anyhow. Speak to God. You need order in your finances. Some of you need to know how to set boundaries with relations with people. You need order in your relationship. You need order in your health. You need order in your business. You need order. You need a structure in your life. Pray for the spirit of order. The spirit of order. The spirit of order. The spirit of order in the name of our Lord Jesus. Order in your finances. Order in your academics. Order in your job. Order in your personal life. Order in your dealings with people. Order in your dealings with your boss. Order in every aspect of your life. Live an ordered life. Hear the word of God, famous. Live an ordered life. Pray for the spirit of order. The spirit of order. The spirit of order. In the name of our Lord Jesus. Pray for the spirit of order. Pray for the spirit of order. In the name of our Lord Jesus. Consistently this year. Pray. Pray. Pray that you will know what to do at which time of life. You will know when you are supposed to sow. You will know when you are supposed to harvest. You will know when you are supposed to reap. You will know when you are supposed to sow. When you are supposed to store. When you are supposed to spend. In the name of our Lord Jesus. Yes, spend some time brooding over this word. You need order. Spend some time brooding over this word. And ask God, Father, show me a pattern for my life. Show me the pattern in which I'm supposed to build. Show me the pattern in which I'm supposed to grow. Show me the pattern for my life, Lord. Show me the pattern for my life, Lord. In the name of our Lord Jesus. In the name of our Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have not left us in the dark concerning how to live our lives. We thank you for this revelation into your word, into how you are supposed to build. We pray for the spirit of order and the strength to do thereby. Influence and in, influence us in every aspect of our lives and lead us into an ordered life. In the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Remember the order is to give God your best. And after that, you would owe no man nothing but love. See you next week as we look at the third thing God wants us to consistently pray for in the year 2024. Bye-bye and see you next week.